I would like to read, before that I should maybe say, I have a subject in mind tonight that's one that we don't normally like to speak about. It's not one we normally like to think about and we take a lot of, we generally try to avoid it. The subject of death. It's not a subject that we normally like to dwell too much on. Subject of death, it's unavoidable. I've been at two funerals in the past week, at short notice. I suppose funerals are short notice by definition. Um, and I'm planning to be another one on Tuesday. So in, this, in space of less than 10, less than 10 days, I'll be, I'll be at three funerals. Um, it's a subject we have to, have to face. And in a gospel meeting, it is very appropriate because in the gospel meeting, we're looking beyond. Yes, we're looking at this life. We're looking at the here and now. But more than that, we're looking beyond this life. Beyond this life. What happens after death? Because death is not the end. And we exist for eternity after that. And as we've been singing, there's one of two places. There's heaven or there's hell. The Bible tells us after, it's pointed on the man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. And the whole point of the gospel, of gospel meeting, the gospel message, is that we may be ready for that judgment. So we'd like to read the first mention we have of death in the Bible. So that's uh, second chapter of Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2. I'm sure these will be passages that are familiar with most, if not all, here this evening. So Genesis chapter 2, and we'll read... Uh, verse 16. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And then if we come on down to chapter <coughs> chapter 3, I'm sure you... you <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. I'm sure you're all familiar with how the serpent tempted Eve and she took of the fruit and gave to Adam. So we'll break into the passage at verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes of, and a tree was to, uh, to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And I'll not read the rest. I'm sure, again, you're familiar how God questioned Adam and Eve and how they were driven out of the garden. Um, and we'll go to the end of the Bible now for the last reference we have to death. We've read in the third chapter of the Bible. We want to go now to the third chapter from the end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And 
we'll read from verse 11 what we've been singing about. Revelation chapter 20 from verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I, stu- and I, sorry, and I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the dead, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And we'll come into chapter 21. And I heard, uh, verse 3, sorry. And I heard a great voice from, from heaven, sorry, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, or the dwelling of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And maybe just one more reading from Matthew chapter 27. So we've read the first mentions of death in the Bible, the last mentions of death. And I want to just link with that a rather unique statement, very profound statement from Matthew 27, and we'll read verse 45. This is a, as you'll know from the crucifixion when the Lord was on the cross, now the from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we trust the Lord will add his blessing to the reading this evening. As I say, death's not a subject that's easy to speak about. And I trust we'll have some help this evening to do so. And I, I don't want to be emotional this evening. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be trying to scare anybody into salvation. But I need to be faithful to the word of God. And there's a lot for us to learn from the passages that we've read. We, the first, in Genesis chapter 2, we get a prediction. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And of course, we know what's happened from then. The last re- reference we have to death in the Bible, we have a, we have a promise. 
in Revelation 21, there will be no more death. And that's a great promise to have. A great prospect to have. And those of us who are saved, that know Christ as our Savior, have had our sins forgiven. That's the prospect that we have and the promise that we can hold on to. That there will be a time when we will be with the Lord and there will be no sorrow and no tears and no crying and uh, <coughs> no death forever, for eternal, eternal state. But I want to consider just <coughs> what we read in Genesis to start with for a few moments. Well, God said to, to, uh, to Adam, he could eat of any of the trees of the garden apart from that one tree, and he wasn't to eat of that, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <coughs> and the prediction was that if he, uh, the warning was that if he uh, added that, in the day that thou eatest thereof, uh, thou shalt surely die. That's clear. No ambiguity. You eat of the tree, you'll die. We'll come to the chapter th down in the chapter three, and we see that one restriction that, that God had placed on Adam and Eve. They couldn't keep it. They broke it. That one thing that they said, he said them told them not to do, was the very thing that they did. So true to human nature, isn't it? And what was it happened? We read it, they hid from God. Maybe we should say there's a little problem here. Some people maybe see a little problem here. God said you're going to die that day. But they didn't die. Did they? They were put out of the garden. Read on the next few chapters. We read how they lived on. They had sons and daughters. And... Uh, in fact, Adam lived for over 900 years. So did God relent on what he had said? I think not. So when we think about death in the Bible, there's two aspects, two things we can think about. There's going to be physical death and there's spiritual death. As I said, I've been at two funerals this week, sign of physical death. Physical death is when the soul leaves the body and that's them separated <clears throat> and the life has gone from the body and the funeral of the body is led, to the led into the ground. But if death here <clears throat> that we have in Genesis chapter 3 that happened immediately was a spiritual death. It was a separation between God between Adam and Eve, between the man and God. You can see what we, what we read there, that when they heard the voice of God in the garden, they hid. They hid. What had changed? Well, the fact was changed that they had sinned. And what was, it, was it a great thing that had happened? Was it something that was awful that they had done that they couldn't? Well, in a sense, well, yes, it was in that they went against what God said, but 
in one sense, it was, it was found something very small and very simple. They took a piece of fruit from a tree that they that wasn't there, that they, that they that they shouldn't have. You know, I've I've two apple trees at the side of the house, and uh, there's no fence between them and, and, and the footpath, and there's there's many's an apple goes missing. Many's a person takes it, but I don't think anybody's going to hide from me for taking one of my apples. You know, the holy Adam and Eve were fully aware of the holiness of God. They had knew God in their in their in their in their own fallen state, shall we say, call it. They had known God then. They knew what God was like. They knew how holy God was. And when they took that fruit, when they sinned against God, they were so aware. Oh, sorry. And then when they heard the voice of God, they were so aware of what they had done, so aware of their guilt, that all they could do was they could run and hide. I want to challenge you this not to see it in the meeting this evening. I'll have to th- would you think about it? How would you stand before God? How would you compare to Adam and Eve on that day? How many times have you sinned? I suspect that's a calculation you couldn't do. Even the younger ones here, you wouldn't be able to know how many times you've done wrong. Adam sinned once and he hid from God. He knew he couldn't stand in the presence of God just because of one thing is wrong. And you're sitting in the meeting this evening and I'm standing here in the meeting this evening and we have sinned countless times. Countless. There is no way that we could come before God in our in our own in our natural state. I'm going to jump over to Revelation now. Because we see the final light working of this. The final light working of sin. The final out working of man's rebellion against God. Of, 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 of mankind, of people putting themselves first, putting themselves in the place of God in their lives and just living life for my own benefit, for my own profit. Let me be doing okay. Not particularly bad in my own eyes or in the eyes of those around me. But I think I've demonstrated already that it's well short of perfection. So John here in Revelation, he sees the vision of the great white throne and him who sat on it, whose face, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And then, and I saw the small and great 
I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Everyone was standing before God. doesn't matter how insignificant or unimportant you think you are, nor does it matter how, how high up the social ladder you've climbed, the small and great, whether, be, whether you're small in this life or in a great position, everyone is treated exactly, this, everybody before God is on exactly the same level. No difference. The books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. You know, all those things that you've done in the past and all those things that I've done in the past that I cannot remember, God has a record of every one of them. Absolutely everything. You know, there'll be no, no arguments there. No, no excuses Nowhere to hide. Can't deflect the blame to someone else like Adam tried to do. I have to stand. You have to stand before God, answerable for your own actions. No one else's. Just your own. And it says here, verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You know, I was comparing that first mention of death with the second death here. And that first death, Adam and Eve, they hid from God. They, they, they took themselves away from God. Here, everybody has been brought back or has been brought and stands before God and here's God that put those the putting away. They were cast into the lake of fire. The first death, the effects of that are reversible and I'll come to that in a moment. This death, this is final. This is permanent. There'll be no There'll be no going back here. You'll remember from the story of um, the rich man and Lazarus, how Abraham told him there's a great gulf fixed that no one can pass. He was, in the, he was tormented in the flames and there was no relief. And it was going to be for eternity. The first death, when Adam sinned against God, when Adam hid from God, we're living with the consequences consequences of it right down to the day. And we can see the sin and evil around us quite easily. And the pain and suffering in this world, but yet there's still nothing compared to what uh, is, lies before beyond, beyond the grave. I want to come very quickly to the last pa- passage we read there. That profound plea of the Lord Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We're all familiar with the story of the crucifixion of how the Lord Jesus was taken and how he was abused and how he was tortured. And he was um, nailed to the cross 
And as he hung there, the darkness, darkness uh, fell on the, on the whole world. And I would take it during that time of darkness, the Lord made to make upon him the iniquity of us all. He was made to be sin for us. This cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the cry of one who's experiencing or knowing the effects of sin. When Adam sinned, he hid from God. When Christ was made sin for us, God hid his face from Christ. You know, he was there and suffering on your behalf and on my behalf. As Christ hung on the cross, he took upon himself, or God poured upon him, perhaps more, more accurately, what we deserved. So that prospect that before us, that for the for the for the sinner to stand before God and to be cast into the lake of fire, all that that entails was laid on Christ, and He took it all, bore it all upon Himself. You know, when we read in Revelation, there was two books mentioned. It was the book with the record of all that we've mentioned, uh, of, of all that we've done, as mentioned, which had mentioned. It was the Lamb's Book of Life, and those in the Lamb's Book of Life are those that have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those have repented of their sins and have acknowledged that they have done wrong. Have acknowledged that we have not. Uh, to have acknowledged that we have come short of God's standard and come to Christ for forgiveness. You know, because Christ has taken upon himself that judgment that we deserved, we can go free. We can, God can forgive us. And when God is willing to forgive you this evening. I'm not sure what else to say. I'm sure I haven't said anything you haven't heard already or haven't heard before. And I don't know what's holding you back from coming to Christ. Maybe you know what it is. I'm sure it's not whatever it is whatever you have in this life, which will be for a short time, would not be worth it for what the prospects of eternity holds for you. 
So all I want to leave with you this evening, we know that it's certain that we will, that this life, we know that this life is only for a short time. Either death or the Lord, or the Lord, either death will come upon us or the Lord will come suddenly and without warning. And if you're ready, you'll be good with him. If not, you'll be left behind. So all I can say is, tonight is the night for you to go in for salvation, to come to Christ and have your sins forgiven. Shall we pray? Our Father, we come before thee and we do thank thee for that thou hast revealed thyself to us through thy word. As we consider these, as we think about these solemn things we have been considering this evening, we do thank thee that thou hast left, that thou hast not left us without hope but that thou hast provided a way of salvation. Our ransom has been paid. And we thank thee that a freedom is now offered and forgiveness of sins is offered freely through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we do pray for those that are here this evening that thou would take up what has been said and what has been read and it be used in the awakening and the leading of souls to Christ. For we do ask it in his name and for thy glory. Amen.